Today's episode, Filifario. A while back, a big American magazine sent me to Florida to report on a man who had come to be known as the Retirement Home Casanova. Word was that although he was in his mid-90s, Hyman Kaplan was dating about a dozen women at once. But when I got to the old age community where he lived, a place called Forest Trace, I was to learn that the story I was sent out to cover did not really exist, or not in the way that everyone thought it did. Here's the actual story, the record, of what I did find in my search for the oldest living Lothario. Forest Trace is a retirement community just outside of Fort Lauderdale, and every Saturday at 2, the staff clears aside the tables and chairs in the foyer of the main building to create a circle for the women and men to dance. Though when I say the women and men, I mainly mean the women and Hyman Kaplan. Kaplan is 93, and right now he is twirling a woman named Thelma in the middle of a circle of two dozen watchful women in wicker chairs. The couple dances among tall white pillars and sunlight streams in through the skylight high above giving Thelma's puffy white hair a halo. It is a scene of ethereal beauty. After a few more twirls, Kaplan returns Thelma to her chair and approaches the next lucky lady. This is how it works. Kaplan escorts each partner to the center of the circle where, depending on the song and Kaplan's mood, they will foxtrot, waltz, tango, or even merengue. As the afternoon wears on, Kaplan's white leather loafers bounce gracefully about the carpet. And no matter how good or bad his partner, he always demonstrates a little showmanship, throwing in a Westchester step here and there, doing other little fancy things with his feet that I don't know the name for. When the song is over, he extends his arms to the next woman down the line, who will always graciously accept them. There are more than twice as many women as men at Forest Trace. All a man has to do is stay alive, and he's guaranteed a full dance card. A couple of these men sit with the women, watching with a sort of aristocratic indifference as Kaplan dances. Simply because they are men, they have their choice of women. But even the casual observer can see that they are a bunch of sleepy, yellow-pantsed potsies and practical walking-shoot Ralphs, while around here, Hyman Kaplan is the Fonz. Forest Trace, home to more than 400 seniors, is all about leisure. And as such, a kind of court-like behavior has emerged here, full of intrigues and legends and gossip. It's the kind of thing you think you're only going to live through once, in high school. It's like Peyton Place, says Beatrice Udall, who is sitting in the foyer. There are so many affairs. Udall tells me the story of how a Forest Trace couple in their 90s were found naked in bed together. It seems that one of them, during the throes of passion, accidentally pulled the emergency cord above the bed. Utal is sitting with her boyfriend, Sam Shulman. They met a couple of years ago at Forest Trace. When I ask him about their relationship, he explains it this way. At this point in our lives, we don't try to impress. We don't talk about money. We don't talk about our backgrounds before we came here. We want the present. A person who's past all that understands. Shulman looks at me as if he knows that I can't possibly understand. It's a very tender, forgiving look. He asks me how old I am, and I say I'm 31. He congratulates me, and I ask him what he's congratulating me for. 
for being 31, he says. Hyman Kaplan wears his age like a man 30 years younger, hamming it up in old face. By this I mean, he's a little stooped and his steps are a bit deliberate. But his age hangs off him like a kind of performance, like a teenager playing Willie Loman in a high school play. Kaplan taught phys ed for over 40 years in New York City. His first wife of 39 years was killed in an automobile accident in 1969. He married again a year later, and two years after that, he and his wife moved to Fort Lauderdale. Then, after 18 years, she died of pancreatic cancer. In 1996, he gave his condo to his daughters and moved to Forest Trace. He takes me into the recreation room beside the lobby, where we can sit and talk. At the table beside ours, some women are playing cards. They wave to Kaplan, and he flashes them a smile. We missed you, says one of them. Kaplan has just gotten back from a month-long holiday visiting family near Pauling, New York. When he turns his head to look over at another table, I point out a smudge of orange lipstick on the tip of his ear. One of the women I was dancing with is a kisser, he says, wiping off the stain. When I ask him if he ever thought that one day he'd be kissing women in their 80s, he says, no way. But kissing has now become something vastly important to him. He even says that he can tell which women are kissers by the way they dance with him. He says that kissing keeps him young. I don't lack for women, he says. But at my age, you can't really have sex. Try as you might, it just doesn't work so easily. I ask him if that ever makes him angry, and he says that of course it does, but that you learn to accept it as a new stage in your life. I've tried a lot of different things, he says. Viagra and a lot of other pills are supposed to make you virile, but forget about it. It doesn't happen. Viagra may have disappeared as the standard punchline of late-night talk show monologues, but at Forest Trace, Viagra jokes still go over big. At one point in my visit, I find myself sitting in on a round of Outburst, a game in which the activities director asks various questions to a table full of residents who are then prompted to shout out their answers. The question, what's something you find in a purse, provokes the answer, Viagra, as does the question, what's something you find in a bathroom, as well as, what's something you find in a briefcase. Each time it has the whole table in stitches, the very mention of the word almost always guarantees a cheap laugh. Kaplan takes me to the exercise room where he works out regularly. We're the only ones in here. He turns to the window that faces the pool. There's a woman sitting there poolside by herself, reading a newspaper. She's a very lonely person, Kaplan says, staring at her through the window. There's plenty of people here, but she's sitting alone. That's a sign. Kaplan watches her for a while, then says, Let's go and say hi. When we approach her, she puts down the New York Times and looks up at us. She and Kaplan chat a bit, and when we walk away, he tells me that she likes him. I ask him how he can tell, and he says he just can. I don't like to brag, he says, but I'm a catch. I ask him if he ever dances with her, and he says that she doesn't dance. It dawns on me that that's the kind of older woman I'm going to like, the kind that reads the paper fully dressed by herself at the edge of the water. 
A woman who keeps Kleenex under her watch strap for me, just in case. We make plans to meet at the dining hall for dinner at 5.30. Kaplan shows up looking sharp in a white blazer and white pants. The residents park their walkers outside the hall door and grab a cushion from a bin. As we go to our table, Kaplan takes a cushion for me and one for himself. During dinner, Kaplan points out women at the other tables. He tells me who is warm and who is guarded, who is more physical and who just likes to talk. He motions to a woman sitting two tables over. She's good looking, he says, but she's losing her memory. That happened to my first girlfriend here, Mildred. But she always remembered me. She loved me. Kaplan says that Mildred, who died three months ago, loved him so much that when she went by his car in the parking lot, she would kiss it. Even when she was finally in a wheelchair, her face would glow when she'd see me, he says. I pull her out of her wheelchair and hold her up to dance with me. It's after the meal, while we're eating our sugar-free cheese Danish, that Kaplan leans over from across the table. He keeps looking behind me anxiously, his eyes darting all over the place. Finally, he wipes his mouth and lets the napkin fall to the table. Over your shoulder, he says. That's her. Kaplan has been talking about this woman all day. Her name pops up as his favorite dance partner. She's the only woman here whom he's introduced to his family. Each time he invokes her name, Kaplan becomes uncharacteristically quiet and reticent for a few moments afterward. They first started dating about a year ago, when she first came to Forest Trace. She broke up with him about two months ago, and everyone at the home was surprised. They were sort of like the royal couple of Forest Trace. Kaplan is vague about the reasons for their breakup, something to do with a birthday card that she didn't think was big enough, something about his manner being too outward. He slaps everyone that he meets on the back, he explains, and she's so proper. He says he'd love to get back together with her, but she's just not interested. I casually turn around to try and see her, but she's already getting up to leave. You have to see her face, he says excitedly, and she's always dressed to the hilt. From behind, I can see her silver-gray hair pulled up into a big, regal bun. His eyes follow her as she winds her way through the tables. I still love her, he says. Whenever I see her, I get a tit in hearten. You know what that means? It means I get a tug at the heart. After we've eaten, Kaplan and I head over to the clubhouse next door for the evening's entertainment, a musical duo called Poppy. When everyone in the hall is finally seated, a middle-aged man takes the stage wearing sunglasses and carrying an electric guitar. He is joined by a woman in her forties wearing a glittery purple dress who stands behind her keyboard. They stare ahead stoically, bathed in a soft theatrical light. They're about to start playing when half the audience starts shouting for more light. The activities assistant turns on the fluorescent lights above the stage to a smattering of applause. The woman in purple looks unhappy about this. The lights make her and the man in the sunglasses look as if they're performing in the frozen goods aisle at a 7-Eleven. The most important thing to us is you, says the man, but do you really want those fluorescent lights on? The question is answered with thunderous applause. It will prove to be Poppy's biggest ovation of the evening. Thank <laughs> you.
They start off with, when the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, after which they launch into a full-on polka medley, featuring Roll Out the Barrel. Poppy performs in 22 languages, and they announce that, tonight, they are going to take us on a trip around the world. They sing Russian songs, French songs, and Yiddish songs. Before they launch into Tarantella, the man in sunglasses asks, Are there any Italians here tonight? No one answers. Kaplan leans into me and says rather gravely, There was one, but he died. After Tarantella, they sing Ochi Cherniyi, and as the opening strains drift down from the stage, a pleasurably surprised moan escapes the audience's lips. I imagine my friends and myself in a retirement home someday, perhaps a place that will look more like a row of narrow cots in a furnace room than like Forest Trace. We will be listening to a man play Fight the Power on an accordion, and we will feel the same pleasurable moan well up in our guts. I look over at Kaplan to see how the show's going over with him, but he isn't watching the stage. I follow his line of vision and see that he is staring at a big regal bun of gray, a half dozen rows in front of us. After the show, as we slowly file out of the hall, we run to his former love, and Kaplan introduces us. She is a stern, dignified, and attractive woman in her early 80s, and Kaplan tries hard to draw her into a conversation. He talks about the show. He talks about music. He even explains about how I'm a reporter, but nothing makes much of an impression. She smiles politely, but she's distant. She continues to walk on ahead, and we fall back. Their exchange was awkward in exactly that way that exchanges with exes you run into always are. But it's in that especially awkward way that occurs between people who've broken up and still work or go to school together and have to see and deal with each other day in and day out. Then, as she passes through the doorway into the night, the heel of her shoe catches in the doorframe and she stumbles. Kaplan visibly flinches and starts to walk over with his arm out. Then he pauses and watches her straighten herself. He starts to go over again, but again he stops himself. She walks on, and we follow behind, along the lighted pathway back to the main building, as Pennsylvania 65000 wafts through the tropical heat. Kaplan stops at the nurse's office for a nightcap of pills and eye drops. From there, we go back to his apartment, where he gets ready for bed. I'm not very happy right now, he says as he puts away his clothes. If there is love at any age, then there is also love sickness, and pain is pain, rejection is rejection, and by the looks of Hyman Kaplan, a man who has the ability to make women rise to their feet at the motion of his hand, it doesn't get any easier. Being at Forest Trace has made me feel as if all of life is a process of slowly peeling away the gentle layers of a cocoon, the marriages, the jobs, the death of loved ones, to one day reveal the 80-year-old butterfly that lies waiting within, so alone, so close to death, yet still so willing to render the heart vulnerable to some new idea of love. What do I want with a woman at this stage, says Sam Goldberg, a Forest Trace resident in his 80s, who, when I ask him about dating, scoffs at the very word. You see, Hyman will always tell you he's great, says Goldberg. But did you know he wears a pacemaker? 
People who have ailments and have to go to doctors don't think about dating. Hyman's a rarity. It's true. Kaplan's the guy that Forrest Trace has in its promotional video, riding around on a bicycle. The roper, in a way. The guy who makes you feel that everything is going to be fine. I know that Kaplan is how I'd like to see myself one day, a creature of unending desire, waving from a bicycle for the cameras. I can imagine being old. I can imagine gazing into the eyes of women who look like my grandmother's pinnacle friends. And I can even imagine being broken-hearted in my 90s. But what I can't imagine is laying down the burden of my desire. One day, if I'm lucky, I want to be kissing 80-year-old women too. And that might be foolish, as foolish as Hyman Kaplan himself. A couple of days after I left Forest Trace, Kaplan called me on the phone. The day I was leaving, he was on his way to see a production of I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. And he just wanted to let me know that on the bus ride there, he had met a woman. He says she's going to come to the home to dance with him. He says she's got a lot of fun in her. And she isn't afraid to get physical. Someone they like in a bar and then they get the rejection line? This happens all the time? 
I, I don't even know. This is ridiculous. I'm a human being. This is not how you treat someone that you met in a bar and had a deep conversation with for three hours. Stuart, I'm sure that you plumbed incredible depths with Amy in the bar last talk. night. We connected. I'm sure the connection was extremely strong, as evidenced by this phone call. But uh, I don't like to come into someone's office and tell them that they're, you know, incompetent or anything. But uh, you know, not uh, not doing such a good job. You are actually stretching the parameters of my script. Well, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry to have okay, to challenge Okay, here's some comfort. You're a fabulous guy. I'm sure you've got a lush, thick head of hair and a chiseled body and cheekbones to die for. I'm sure you make a lot of money in a fantastic industry and that your whole future is ahead of you and that you've just bought a great new condo that any woman would love to move into. I'm sure that you're fabulous. Okay, that's not necessary. I don't need women like condos. I don't Do you have need... one. Thank you. Okay, I'm not asking for, for to be anointed the greatest guy who ever lived. I don't need that, all right? Stop. I'm, I'm not a bad guy, okay? I know that, all right? That's I'm why sure I'm sure you're not a bad guy. I don't I'll help you through this. I don't deserve this. What I don't happened? Deserve, I'm a fun guy. Okay, like fun, fun, super fun, Stuart. What happened? Well, you know, we were, we were, we were at the bar, right? And, uh, and we started talking, and uh, eventually, uh, you know, I, I asked her if I could buy her a drink. You know, I mean, that's how these things start, right? Often, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. you know, yeah. You know, I was breaking out some of the jokes, you know. Right. What kind of jokes? Knock, knock. Right. Those really go a long way. No, no, knock, knock, knock. Come on. Sure. Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting Move. cow. Who? She loved it. She was laughing. She let me buy her a drink. She let me buy her a drink. We had our drink. We had the mojito, you know. And then, and then we, we moved on to the next level of enjoyment, which I, I have to say was a hell of a lot of fun. Flaming shots. Right. That was your idea? That's, of course. Right. And I, uh, I bought some for friends, too. You know, and they were laughing. They were laughing along with us, you know. Right. And Why we, were they laughing? Well, because, you know, because the, the second round of flaming shots, you know, it's funny. I actually spilled a little bit, and I, and I, set, my, uh, I set my shirt on fire. Uh, I mean, just a little bit, you know. But, I mean, it was fun. They were laughing. Stuart. Everybody's happy. Are you crazy? What do you mean? What, you think that that's going to turn a woman on? You set your shirt on fire? Excuse me. Excuse me. What are they Okay, let me reiterate the story to you. What okay. Do we, what I'm we, a guy. You're a girl. I'm at a bar. You're at a bar. I come up to you. I'm like, hey, cutie, how's it going? Here's some really stupid drink that I'm going to set on fire. And then I set my shirt on fire. What would you think? What What is it always said about women uh, 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 being attracted to men? It doesn't say women are attracted to men with shirts on fire. Sense of humor. It's all about the sense of humor. She wasn't laughing at me. She was laughing with me. Why can't you see that? I don't. See, when you go to the circus and you see the clown, are you laughing with the clown or are you laughing at the clown? You know what? You know, you, you know, your problem is you're, you're, you're focusing too much on this whole flaming shirt bit. It's not about the flaming shirt. Well, okay? it's, it's an a, uncommon event. It's about the laughter that resulted from the flaming shirt. It's about being humble enough to laugh at yourself. And, and they were joining in my self-mockery. It was, it was really nice. It was a good vibe. Right. Okay. We were laughing. How were they laughing? Uh, you know, like, were they like, <laughs> or were they like, <laughs> Yeah, 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 that. Basically, you're like in you bozo, she Jane kind of territory. No. Yeah. No. Yes. No. So how long was she laughing for? She was laughing for a long time, you know? I mean, I even went to the bathroom for a while, and she was still laughing when I got back. I mean, that's, that's a long time. Right, with her friends. Yeah, with her friends, all, all of them. Possibly pointing. Pointing? There may have been some pointing. Right. Stuart, just think about what you're telling me. Just, you know, rewind a little bit in your brain, you know, take the heat down a bit and think about what you're telling me. 
Yeah. I mean, who was paying for these drinks? Or were you buying the drinks? I mean, I was. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean, I guess. Right. I guess How I, many friends? Oh, there were like two. Right. Three. I don't know. Right. You know what? You know what? You're right. You're right. It's it's. This always happens. I'm I'm gonna die alone. I'm I I can't do it. I can't pull it off. I, I, I right. it's terrible. Okay, Stu. I'm sure you're not going to die alone. This is really not that big a deal. Oh, I mean, look, playing the field, fish in the sea. I know you're reading from the comfort I'm not, part No, of the I'm not now. doing I know, the script. I know you're reading me. from the small print for the real losers at the bottom of the, you know, like you, you, you probably never even turned that page until today. You know, you, you never seem to have a bit page. of a self-esteem problem. But, like, you know, self-esteem is one thing and actual worth is another thing. And, you know, you do seem like kind of a good-time guy to me, you know. Really? You're not going to die alone, you know. Knock knock jokes might be, you know, a bit mid-century, but what's your name? Julie. Uh, Julie. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You said some nice things to me. I really appreciate it. You know. I mean, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't often hear that sort of thing. You know, it's easy to get down okay, on yourself. Okay. Okay. Um, Stu, I can see where this is going. No, no, no. I'm just no. saying. I'm just saying. You know, it's 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 rare to find someone. I mean, look. I, mean, yeah. I called you, right? And you would. Uh, maybe I can give you a call sometime. No. Hey, have a talk? No. Grab a coffee? No. We could go out for jello shots? No. What would you do? No. On Wiretap today, you heard Jane Lewis, Joshua Carpati, and Murray Silkoff. For information on the real-life Rejection Line, go to rejectionline.com. Wiretap is written and performed by Jonathan Goldstein and produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Sarah Gilbert and Carolyn Warren. Production help from Mira Bertwintonic.